Welcome to the Abundant Leap Podcast. I'm your host, Chance Wellam. I'm a speaker, consultant, and thought leader here at Abundance.io. In this podcast, you'll discover your strengths, find turnkey business models, and get expert guidance for life's biggest financial moments, where we have trained and consulted over 35,000 entrepreneurs on how to start their first online business, and we've helped existing business owners start their second and third stream of income. You can learn more at Abundance.io, and of course, check us out on Apple Podcasts and Spotify at the Abundant Leap Podcast. Welcome back to the Abundance Podcast. I'm here in Salt Lake at the Hive. Sam, thank you so much for letting us use your amazing space. And I got a good friend on the show today, Jason. How you doing, my bud? I'm doing really good, man. Thank you so much for, being on the show, for letting me be on the show. Of course. You know, we've been trying to link up for a while. We met in, uh, in Vegas at David Meltzer's show. Yep. And uh, you flew us some people that I really respect. And it was just so cool to see you at such a young age, like doing big things, hanging out in the right group. You know, mama always said, be careful who your friends are. Right. And I think you took that to heart because you're, you're hanging out with some people that are just like really powerful and doing big, big things in the world. Yeah. And I didn't realize Salt Lake was such a, a melting pot for so many incredible entrepreneurs. So it's just great to be out here hanging out with you guys and, uh, picking your brain on entrepreneurship. Right. No, I, I'm, thank you for making the trip out here. Um, you know, they're, they're, Utah is a great, a great place. I mean, I, I've been in almost every state. Um, traveled a lot growing up, traveled a lot now. And I just, I'd love Utah. I, I think we've got a great group of people here. Um, it is nice, you know, obviously branch out and get out, but I feel like we've got a great group here. And, um, you know, talking about hanging out with, with, with a solid group of people. I mean, there was a solid group of people going down to David Meltzer, but then, you know, meeting those people, um, you know, it was kind of, you know, funny. So I, I had no idea what I was going to. I just thought people were using our plane and they said, you can come with us. And I'm like, okay. Um, but it ended up being such a fun day and, you know, got the chance to rub shoulders and hang out with you and, um, you know, started, you know, connecting with you. It's just been awesome. So it's been pretty cool. Right on. Well, you have a great story. You, you know, have accomplished so much at such a young age. I know that's a great message for all the entrepreneurs or people thinking about getting into entrepreneurship, uh, can hear. So take it back to the beginning. Did you already, were you already in entrepreneurship at a young age? Is your family, were they into, you know, having their own businesses? Like kind of where was your, your starting point? Yeah. So, um, unique story. My mom and dad were growing up my, my whole life, a very extreme, you know, up Well, you know, we had a plane, we had nice, you know, house, like a state thing, like 27 acres of man, like a big, pretty, pretty awesome. And, but the cool thing about them is they, they were rich. We were, um, they, they, there was a fine line in our family and we didn't deserve a seat on the plane. So we didn't fly on the plane. We coach or commercial or, you know, commercial, but coach in the back where, we deserve to be on because we, our last name is not, is not a ticket to paradise, right? My mom always, my mom and dad always used to say like, just because your last name is your last name does not mean you deserve anything. And which, which taught us to work hard. I mean, they never set expectations of paying for anything. They never set expectations of any of that. When we turned 16, we bought our own vehicles, paid for our own gas, bought our own insurance, paid for our own everything. Even if we played sports, it's like, you know, congratulations. Now you have to work even harder to figure out how you can have a job and play sports and do everything at the same time and pay your bills. And that there was a lot of tough lessons. Like we would look, you know, and I uh, mean, our friends have nice cars. We have really horrible cars because it's all, you know, we were only, and the mom and dad only allowed us to spend a certain amount of what we had on the car. Cause you know, it's dumb to spend it all on a car and all these things. So they taught us a lot of money management stuff growing up. Um, but my dad owns, and my mom right there with them, um, a lot of companies, a lot of businesses and we're, we're motivational speakers, you know, and, and you know, we're network marketing, huge network marketers, you know, arguably everybody, you know, 
one way or another is, you know, some believe that they were the largest network marketers to ever live. And, you know, they had million plus people in their group and downline, you know, back in the Amway days, they were just really, really big into that. Um, but he also had multiple restaurants, construction companies, mortgage companies, real estate development, bunch of real, like all kinds of stuff. And so we got to see that, but I do wish I was a little bit older. Uh, my dad is, had had me when he was 40 and my mom was 37. And so they were more, I guess, mature in their years. And so a lot of that stuff was just a kind of an auto. So I wasn't really there at the beginning. I wish I could have been a fly on the wall back in the day when they were really dry, like at their peak. I mean, that's, you know, they did really well, you know, through my childhood, man, I wish I could go back and see what they did. Cause it's been cool to hear stories from people that were, were with them back then and what they were, when they were building empire. Yeah. That's what I thought was so fascinating when we spoke about how your dad built one of the largest network marketing companies out there. And right. you were talking about how they did marketing back in the day. Cause with abundance, like very easy to be successful now with all the online that we have, the automations, the AI, the, the softwares that are built out, you know, cause our students can build businesses on. Airbnb, Amazon, Kindle. And it's like, it's yep. very easy. Yep. Back then, you know, my dad was a farmer. So in order to even make a hundred grand, you needed a couple hundred acres. You needed tractors. You needed, you know, like you need everything to really get that, get that ball rolling in the finance. And your dad would fill stadiums by like personally talking with people and keeping notes on like notepads. Dude, it was like, all like through fax and notepads. And we had secretaries in our office. Like, like you know, they... They didn't have cell phones, they had the internet, they didn't have any of that. So they, they grinded through that. And that, that's why I wish that I could have been there. I mean, they sold out the Georgia Dome in Atlanta, 97,000 people for a three day event for an entrepreneurial conference. Um, you know, here in Salt Lake City, they rented out, you know, now it's recalled the Delta Center, but they rented out the Delta Center and through miscommunications because there's no tracking system, they oversold the ticket, the, uh, the event enough to fill the Huntsman Center, which is where the University of Utah plays and the Salt Palace. All in the same weekend because they oversold it. I mean, that was the power of their network and how they were able to do things. But it, it's it's crazy to think about that now, um, because you know information is so easy at our fingertips. But I mean, I remember you know we would travel. We had a big like tour bus looking, you know, big gorgeous coach. We call him a coach. And how we traveled, we didn't have a GPS because it didn't exist. So we would have a road atlas, like a random alley road atlas, and we would have like a sketch about what routes we would take. And my mom would use binoculars to look at the exits because it took us so long to you know, change lights and get over to make sure we had no space. <laughs> yeah. We're using binoculars to say, hey, you got to be in this exit. That's how we toured the country for for 25 years. I mean, it was a long time. As, you know, things started to come out, we we were trying to be advanced, but that's what we did is campground to campground every night, you know, with, you know which we'll kind of get into our story about the RV business. But I mean, that's kind of where my mom and dad were, were very well respected in what they did because that is hard. I look at, I'm, I have no idea how you did that. I have no idea how you did that. Like we, now that we have all of our marketing arms and our teams and everything, it's like, we'll put a thousand people in our room. It's like, we had to, we had to work for that. And we right. had all these things at our fingertips. So 97,000 tickets all by hand and, and checking. It's like, that's powerful. And it created, it gave them more pressure to become great. Like you had great top 1% to really build something of that caliber back then. Right. And you had to work 24 hours at, I mean, our first family vacation was 19 years after they started the business. Yeah, 19 years until they decided to take a family vacation that didn't have to do with Amway, right? Like we got a lot of incentive trips and stuff, but still, I mean, we would go to Hawaii, but I remember going to Hawaii, but I know I'm, I don't remember one time hanging out with mom and dad. I never saw them there because they would be doing other things, having to go events. My dad was on the board doing all that and we would kind of just be by ourselves. So 
Luckily, I have a twin brother, so there was always at least a person to hang out with. Um, but we got really good at just navigating resorts by ourselves and just having a good time. But yeah, it was it was wild. But they hustled, man. I mean, they hustled and hustled and hustled every minute of every day. Um, they, my dad talks about a time where in a two and a half year period, he was never home more than two days consecutively. And I mean, and that, um, that there comes challenges with us as kids and never seeing your mom and dad. But you know, I can't argue one way or another because I only know what I know. But I know that they hustled, and, and now and today, and now my motivation is. Uh, to hustle just like they did. And I, and I feel like I have that burning desire in me, kind of like when my mom and dad, you know, did, if I can take it to the next level. Yeah. And they instilled grit in you, you know, yeah. and, and, you know, I, I've talked about a lot of people. It's like, yeah, we're building this great wealth for our families. And you see people just give it all their kids and it runs out. And because they didn't have to work for it, they don't understand the responsibility. And it's that same thing when people got win the lottery, it's like they lose all that money in a matter of a couple of years. I remember right. this guy in our hometown back when we were kids that won like $87 million in like the 90s. Wow. And he built this huge, insane house and built all this stuff. And then literally like five years later, he was like filing for bankruptcy. Wow. And it's that thing. It's like, if we don't understand money, because like, first of all, you learn how to generate it and then you got to learn how to preserve it. And those are two yeah. completely different games. Right. And if you don't go through those different levels, growing and understanding it, it's like, you're just going to destroy it. Right. So I know it was challenging not seeing your family, but the way that they said, you don't deserve this, you haven't earned it to fly in the private planes, you're going to fly in coach. I feel like that instilled understanding and respect in you that has allowed you to become the person that you are. Because everything that you've gone through, being at 29 and now running multiple dealerships and the man that you've turned into, um, you've just been a product of, of great parenting and in a chaotic environment. Yeah. It sounded like. Yeah. I mean, and like, I'm very grateful that they did that because there was never an expectation of anything. Like there was no, hey, when we, even when we die, you're going to get X or when this happens, you're going to get X. Or when you turn 18, we're going to give you this. There was never an expectation. And, but what they did do is my, obviously my mom and dad were very large speakers. And so every night was a seminar, you know, at the dinner table teaching business principles. Um, they made us read a lot of leadership books growing up, like seven highly effective habits of teams. Like there was one for toddlers. We would have, you know, read picture books, right? Like we would have done all those things they made it they didn't make us they encouraged us right and there was like a reward program of hey like every book you read you get 10 bucks or whatever it was and so we were a lot of motivation to get better and i remember like growing up in high school i just wanted to be with mom and dad just wanted to be them and so i wasn't partying I, my first party i ever went to like i never really been to a house party before ever in my life still to this day um, I've been to like some get togethers. I mean, but like adult ones are a little bit different. Right. But I was kind of an inch, like I'm a super extroverted person, like an I personality, if you, if you know, disc, um, the I personality, I, I love partying and having a good time, but I got so laser focused that in high school, I was studying personality. I was studying, you know, business. I was watching a lot of YouTube. I was not going out and at night one, because I was kind of too cheap. I didn't have the money. Like I didn't want to spend all my money going out and doing these things and gas money back then. I had a 1998 or 1999, uh, G, uh, Chevy blazer, I, you know, seven miles, gallons. I'm like, Oh, if I go this far, as much, as I don't really want to, you know, use all that money. And so I just stayed at home to study it. And like my mom and dad would be like, bro, like get out of the house and go have fun. I'm like, oh, I really want to, like, I'm having fun right now watching YouTube videos and how to speak and how to, you know, for business and finances and like learning how to read a balance sheet and a P and L saying like all these things. And I had no idea why I just wanted to be my dad. And my dad knew how to do all these things. And then 
But hey, can I go to your board meetings? You know, you got very large businesses and things like that. And yeah, sure, you can come with me and sit in the meetings. And I'm like, hey, I want you to train me. Obviously, like I'm an idiot to just not want that for my dad because that's available at my fingertips, right? Um, but so I started working with that through high school, and then you know I had a regular job out of high school, and which you know one was a Hollister, I was a little Hollister mom. <laughs> uh, not really tell too many people that, but you know, I did the little shirtless greeting with the little whistle and did all that stuff. It was a good time. But then I worked at GNC and honestly, you know, my, my experience with a person at GNC really catapulted me in, in how I wanted to deal with people and what I wanted to do. And then also, you know, when I was growing up, everybody would say, you know, you're ADD or ADHD, you got anger problems, this and that. And I'm like, Whoa, like, I don't, like, I don't feel broke. And so then I went on a whole mission to figure out why people do what they do, um, which is, you know, what we'll get in later of when I do a lot of like my, my team coaching and personality and management soft coaching, because I wanted to figure out why I did what I did. And I knew I was a little bit different. My mom, my mom and dad always say like, you're very different. But then my mom and dad's friends would be like, you're, you know, Rand, my dad's name is Randy. You're Randy Jr. And I'm like, you know, hopefully that, I mean, I feel like that's a good thing. And my, I feel like my dad is on this pedestal. And so I feel like doing all of those things, like thinking about it now, I was doing those things having no plan. I had no what I had no idea what I was gonna do. But my dad was like, I was like, what do I need to do to own a business? Well, read these, listen to this guy, do all these things. And so I did. And then my mom and dad were in network marketing. So when I got out of high school, what did I want to do? Be like, mom and dad. So I joined a network marketing team or you know, company, which was awesome. You know, in Utah, everybody's a part of it in some company, but that helped catapult me, I feel like, because that helped me talk to a lot of people. I started speaking on stages and started growing a team to, you know, thousands of people, which was really cool in a short period of time. And I was 19 years old and, you know, now making a good, healthy income at 19 years old. Um, that was, that was awesome. But that kind of made me realize what I like and like to do and don't like. I was the worst recruiter. I hated that. Yeah. But my brother was the, he was my upline. So I'm like, dude, just recruit everybody for me. I'll keep him in. I was the motivational speaker guy. I was a trainer. I could, I could sell you the world and get you to want to buy, but I was not the guy that was like, Hey, sign here. Like, I, for some reason I had that like mental block. Belt. Like I can't ask you, I can't ask you to pay. Like it's just hard for me. So my brother would come in, but then I started learning, Hey, like we're a good tandem. We're a good team. And you, you can come in and give him all the details. Cause that's his personality. He loves the details and say, hey, I'm more of the sales guy and can kind of talk and, and speak to people. And so we, me and my brother just kind of exploded that. That's powerful. When you, cause that's the thing, like we all have gifts, we all have strengths. Maybe you know them, maybe you don't. Right. And that's why we treat the quiz that we do with abundance. It's like, if you want to be an entrepreneur, here are your strengths and weaknesses and start focusing on that. Because so many times we're trying to become somebody that we're not, instead of just becoming the person that we were born to be. 100%. And when you can really hone in on that, it allows you to then find those other people that do have your weaknesses as their strengths, right? And you figure that out with your brother and that's what we do with abundance. It's like, hey, figure out where you're at. This is the right place to be. And then here are the other people that are going to, you know, support you. Right. And so if you're still trying to figure that out, anybody that's listening in, it's just, you just got to start asking the right questions, reading the different books, start thinking differently to really find out kind of where you fit in and then double down on that. That was my biggest issue as an entrepreneur is I was trying to do all these other things I wasn't naturally good at. Right. And and when you're, when you're a one man shop and you're a solo entrepreneur, it's like, you got to do you that to, for yeah. a bit, but really drive it so that then you can start plugging in those right people to help you get to that, to that next level. Yeah. So coming out of that with the networking 
uh, network marketing, you started to see that you built the team in the right way to help you get to the next level. What happened after that? Like once you built that team and built that whole thing up, um, was it still fulfilling you? Was that, was that business still fulfilling you or were you seeing like, Hey, I want to take this thing to the next level. Maybe this isn't the vehicle anymore. Yeah. So I, I thought I was all in on the, on the, you know, network marketing industry. I mean, my mom and dad did it for 25 years and that was our life. And the industry has drastically changed from back, you know, the nineties, early 2000, or eighties, nineties, early 2000. And so I'm always like, I just don't love. I just wasn't like loving, you know, something about it, but I loved speaking. Like I became super obsessed with speaking, training and teaching, coaching, dealing with people. Like, like that was my thing, but I didn't love the details of having to fill in certain dots and, you know, recruit in a certain way. I mean, I, like that was really tough for me because I just didn't like that. And so what actually forced me to make a change, honestly, was our company got sold and I kind of almost pretty much lost everything. Right. Like I, and that was back in 2017. And I, cause my, the way I was building my team and the new company came in and bought it. Fit, and so I basically lost all my income. Problem was that they wanted me to act like I was still there's rank, but I had no income. And so I actually only lasted a couple months because in, in like, I got caught in this direct marketing thing, which I'm not like, I, I love the industry. I think it does really good things for people, but you, know, you spend a lot of money making a lot of money. And you spend a lot of money on lifestyle and you spend a lot of money on all these things. And I had the BMW, I had all these things. Like I just, I, I had, you know, but then I had payments on things in a house and a baby on the way. And I just got married and all these things, um, to my first wife. And so I had to make an uncomfortable phone call to one of my best friends and be like, dude, I'm a couple, like I'm a couple months away from losing everything. And he's like, what? And I was like, I, I need you. And he was like, what do you mean? He owned a construction company. I'm like, I need to work under, like, under the table. I need to work after hours, whatever I can possibly do that can hide me from people. Because I, if someone saw me, you know, out and about working at it, they'd be like, freak out because I'm supposed to be this leader. And so I would go in the middle of the night and sweep his floors. And I was washing his shop and sweeping his floors and he'd pay me, you know, like clock in, clock out, and he'd pay me whatever. And that saved me. I'm kind of losing everything while I'm still building a marketing company. I would literally work through the night. And then I started to, but Hey, can I build cabinets? Can I, what can I do more? And he's like, well, I need some, you know, help building the cabinets. So I started manufacturing cabinets by myself. So I would, you know, I would go to work, you know, do the network marketing thing from about, you know, five thirty six until late, kiss my then wife goodnight. And then I'd go to the cabinet shop and build cabinets all through the night, wrap them up, box them up, put them in the box truck for the crew at five, six o'clock in the morning to, to go do their install. And then I'd go to the gym, go home, sleep, take a shower, and then do it rinse and repeat every night. So no one knew what was going on. And I was still flying and speaking, which was wow. hard for me because I'm supposed to be this inspirational person. And I'm like, well, I'm, I got splinters in my hands. Like I'm going broke. And luckily you can't, he kind of floated me. Yeah. Um, but that was mentally super hard on me. I was going to say, how long did you run that before you experienced complete burnout? Dude, it was. It was a couple, it was about four, it was probably six, probably six months where I was doing that. And the end of it, and now like my mind is scale, right? Because I'm product of my dad and he scaled a lot of businesses. I'm like, Hey, let's do more. Let's do this, let's do that. So we're selling apartment complexes and now I'm building all these on site. I'm building by myself and one other, you know, a helper. We're building six units a day. Like I could do a, a two and a half bath and kitchen apartment unit every you know, six of them every single day. So now I'm driving 60 miles from my house 
building these cabinets until it got dark and then coming home every single day. And I'm like, I can't keep doing this. And I write about that, that moment. Uh, my dad called me and was like, Hey, I have an opportunity for you. I don't really want to, maybe we can invest together. We always wanted to work with each other. I always wanted to be like Jason Haugen. I didn't want to be Randy Haugen's son. And so I wanted to go create my own thing. And, you know, he had no idea what, what money position I was in. He had no idea about the construction. I hit everything from every, which was also mentally hard because I feel like you're lying to everybody, which I completely don't agree with and I don't like, but it came to me like, Hey, there's a dealership for sale in, in, you know, Salt Lake City, Utah. You know, what do you think about that? And I'm like, well, I love the RV industry. We were, you know, RV'd our entire life and I, I, I need something because I'm not making any money in your network marketing. And we, you know, we have to figure this out. And then what happened? The company got sold again. And so now, so well, and, and that was kind of at the end of 2019. So we, we bought the dealership in the, in the beginning of 18. And I, my dad's like, Hey, like I'll invest, you'll like, we'll do this together, but I'm going to be kind of silent, but you have to start in sales. And I'm like, what? He's like, I need you to learn everything so you can scale this. And I'm like, okay. So I started in sales, quit everything I was doing with construction, finished the project for him, um, and started in sales and just sold RVs for six months. And, and it's about 65 miles from my house. So I was commuting, you know, 110 miles a day, 130 miles a day, um, back and forth from my house. And I did that for two years. And that was a great experience. I learned so much and a lot of hard lessons. We had no idea we were doing the RV business. There's a thing called flooring, which is how you buy all the RVs through the manufacturer, through like a credit line. We didn't know you needed that. So we bought the RV dealership, flooring shut off. And the banks are like, the heck do you think you're doing? And we're like, we're buying the dealership. They're like, dude, that, no, it's not how it works. So my dad had to put a lot of, a lot more money in to be able to do that in a nylon. Just, you know, the money just sits there and the bank kind of sees it and all that stuff. Um, but he was sold out on me. I mean, it, it meant a lot that he was like, Hey, like, this is going to be yours. Like, I'm not going to be here very long. You know, I want you to be able to take this over and which is a little bit more complicated with the banking and the way the banking works in the RV industry. But, um, that was awesome. So I did that for, we had one dealership in 18, one dealership in 19, and we, we brought them out of a huge hole they were in. We had to implement a lot of capital be able to get them out of that hole but then we ended up in a little bit of, we were tiny they ran like twenty seven thousand bucks i'll never forget but we, we were four hundred thousand dollars in the hole so in my eyes i made four hundred twenty seven thousand dollars right and then um in 2019 that's when the network marketing company got sold and you know through you know in 18 or in 19 i ended up getting divorced i'm having my baby already and then that was already dating a new girlfriend at the time. And I remember calling her and saying, I'm done with that. We're done with the network marketing industry. I'm going all into the RV industry. And she said, let's go. And then we doubled down, bought two more locations in 2020, five more locations in 21, found her a dealership this year and we got nine locations now. Wow. Yeah. I mean, we went from 12 million in sales to 13 million in sales to 65 million in sales and 103 million in sales and 111 million in sales. Insane. Yeah. It was, it was an epic ride. And I mean, there's a lot to that, but it, like, it's like, and thinking now, I mean, we can do anything we want to do. I mean, if I can get in the RV industry and not know anything, and then we can keep scaling and growing and scaling and growing, you know, anybody can do anything to put their minds to. And it was the moment that I, I was in San Diego in this corporate office of a network marketing company and they were, you know, flashing this and flashing that, giving us, we'll promise you this money and took us out to a nice dinner. And the whole time I'm thinking I can do much more. And, and I, I wanted to bet on myself. 
right? Like I was tired of the buy and sell of the companies and also money going away, coming back, money going away, coming back. The expectations I was put on me. I'm like, I just want to be by myself. Like I just want to bet on myself and, and I know what I can do with these dealerships. And so I went all in, but it's kind of funny because I'm like, well, I feel like the network marketing from 2013 to 2019 set me back, but I can look at it and be like, well, it set me you know, forward because I was able to talk to people. I can talk to people. And I mean, I have the gift of gap, which is sometimes getting something bad, but I can talk to anybody. And it gave me a lot of leadership principles that implemented in the RV dealership. A couple of things I want to take away from that conversation is, first of all, you know, your dad taught you to be hungry. Right. And to have grit. And I was talking about that with Sam on the last podcast is when you can understand that grit and you like really dedicate yourself to it, like you will have the drive to build that next thing. You're like, you, you had no other option at that point. And the issue that a lot of people have when they go try to start as an entrepreneur is they still leave themselves open with a lot of their options. It's like a fallback. But anytime it gets hard, like, oh, I'll just fall back to this other job or I'll just go back and right. or I'll just go back to doing this. So if you always have those doors open, always have those opportunities, you're never, this is never going to be successful for you. Right. This isn't going to work because you always know in the back of your head, well, if it gets too hard or if I fail or you know, whatever, I can back and right. still have a safety net. Right. Well, you talk about people burning the ships, you know, burning the bridges or removing the safety nets. That's when you truly have the permission to go all in and actually be successful because that's what it takes to entrepreneurship. You have to be all in. Right. People are trying to juggle so many different things and it's like, we only have three to four hours of brain power each day that we can give our best. Right. And so most people are giving their best still to a job or to somebody else's dream and they're not saving that resource for what they need to actually get through it. We are talking before we got on the podcast, like when you're in your, your 20s, your 30s, that's when you have all that gumption. That's when you have all that energy to actually go out and build something. So if you're not dedicating that time now, it's going to be much more difficult in the future. That's where you right. might be sitting on the empire that you build, be in your team phase, all in your prince phase, where you can you can appreciate that. And that is why you go so hard now is because you saw it from coming in, being broke, being upside down, and then now building a $100 million company. It's like you had to do the work Right. You had to get the scrapes, the bruises. You had to get kicked in the nuts multiple times. Yeah, well, for sure. To where you're like, okay, well, now that I work so hard at this, I, ain't nobody going to take this away from me. Right. Ain't nobody because you built it on your own. And that's what is so powerful about being an entrepreneur is that it teaches you how to be your greatest self. You have to every day. You have to right. be getting better or else you're, you're going to get shut down. Right. No, 100% agree. And like, there's a lot of ugly truths on entrepreneurship, but you, you have to just have that grit. You have to have that tenacity, the burning desire, the all in the, you know, the obsessive vision where you want to go. And if you kind of take the, the shotgun effect to it, where you're just all over the place and how can you give, you know, the time of day what it's supposed to be. And, you know, like I, I encourage people to shut the door, shut the noise off, like focus on what you do. Like, don't be dumb. Don't come up with an idea. And the next day you quit your job and you have nothing. Like now you have nothing. Like make sure you set that up, but then give me the, once you have the ability to make that switch and then, then, then go all in, it, it'll come like it, it'll, you'll, you know, the fruits of that labor will be, be amazing. And it's, you know, it goes, I don't know if you've ever read the book, Good to Great. It's a great book. I have not. Um, it talks about, you know, it's actually like a study book of a lot of companies that went good to great and the things that they did. It talks about a hedgehog concept of doing one thing great. Like a hedgehog does one thing great. It wraps up in a little ball and protects itself. Doesn't really do much other than that, but it does one thing really, really good. And so I always, I teach this is like, Hey, like, don't 
try to be uh, 55 things. What is the one thing? Like, why did you start this? And let's lead into that and do one thing right. And then everything that we do every single day is for our hedgehog concept to be the best we can possibly do every single day. Like our, our dealerships, our customer experience. How can we give the best customer experience every day? What can we do every day that we can give the best customer experience? In, in any meeting, management meeting, like any opportunity anywhere, that's the best customer experience. So there's a reason and why we're doing what we do. And I talked to a lot of people that are trying to be this and trying to be that because they, they have the ability, right? Like we can probably take on a lot of things, but then now that is a, that is a rare, like a more rare person that can have 25 different projects and they do them all hundred percent like that. I feel like it's almost possible. Um, but there's a lot of people that you got to go all in and then when it's operating without you or you have the system set up, then it's like, Hey, maybe then you can kind of, Hey, I'm going to go do this and do that. Well, my dad in the network marketing, uh, you know, business or back in the day, he said that people would always make a lot of money in network marketing, get to six figures, but six figures back in the 80s, 90s, a lot. And they'd be like, oh, squirrel, I'm going to go open, an I uh, open up an ice cream shop. And while that wasn't sustained, while that wasn't, you know, have a great foundation, they'd go focus every, all their efforts in the ice cream shop. And it's like their cash cow would start to diminish. It's like, oh, now what do I do? It's like, make sure you have the processes and it's rock solid and bulletproof before you go all of a sudden just like swirl this and swirl that, like, which we see people like I, you know, Dan Martell, we both know him, a great, yep. great dude. Like he talks about it in his book when, you know, Russell or, uh, Russell Brand, Ru no, 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 Russell Branson, right? Russell Brunson? Russell Brunson. No, Russell Branson, the, the virgin guy. Oh, Rich, Richard Branson. Yeah. I always get Russell Branson and Richard Branson next up. <laughs> so, um, Richard Branson, virgin guy, um, owns like, I think it's in the book, like 900 and something different companies, something crazy like that. Well, he, he, I, I started to do a little research on that because I'm like, how do you do that? Because I'm kind of in the same mold right now where I got a lot of different things going on. Um, but I'm, but I do think that Dan's book helped me be very methodical with my schedule. And I'm, I feel like I'm probably the best I've ever been, but I started to do a lot of research and it's like, he built one thing for a very long time, created a bulletproof product, bulletproof company, and then split off things that complemented his first company. And I'm like, wow. Oh, yeah. Like there's, if, if you can figure out a way, like there's some sacred sauce in there that if you figure out a way to build something and then build other things that complement it, people say like, oh, I'm going vertical where maybe you. You know, you're a mortgage officer, but then you own a mortgage company and then you can do like more real estate stuff. So you have like a whole like, vertical integration, like that complements itself. Right. Right. But sometimes the people are like, that has nothing to do with what you're even remotely good at. So why are you doing it? Well, that'd be really cool. And I know that I can do it. Well, you can do, it, but it has nothing to do with what you, like, you have to completely change your entire everything, believe everything to go, go do this thing. Then sometimes that's like a passion project, which is fine, but. Um, you know, and some people make it work, but I feel like if you can create something that complements it, that would be like, well, it's kind of like, it just, it, it's all on the same spectrum, right? Yeah. I mean, perfect example of that with, you know, I was talking with Jimmy Rex yesterday. He's built this amazing company around like coaching men. And he's like, I know I can create one for women, but that's also not my zone of genius. So he went out and found the best coach to partner with them. That's like, that's perfect alignment. Right. I know how to build all this for it, but then you're going to be the expert for that because that's a bit out of my zone of, of genius. Right. It's like, that makes sense. Sam's doing the same, same thing with door to door con. It's like, I understand the door to door industry. So each of my other arms of my businesses are going to be directly in alignment with that to where right. now he has five or six different businesses inside of that industry. And it takes very little effort. He knows exactly which lever to pull, who to put someone in to where that can have success without him actually being the operator. Right. And that's a big uh, issue that a lot of people run into. Because for us, when we started uh, our first coaching business, we were really good at that, but we we're really good at the agency space. 
Right. We knew that we wanted to bring on other partners, but like, we're not just going to go launch another platform because, hey, this is a great idea to, to teach an Airbnb course or a Kenda course or Amazon or real estate, but let's go find the best in there that are going to be the operators. And we know how to build the whole vessel around it to our now right. abundance. At this point, we have six partners soon to be 10 and allows the wow. company to continue to grow. But we learned, okay, we're really good at this and we have the people that are. So now our media buyer runs media, but he runs it for all of our partnership. Right. We have the sales mentorship that now mentors all the other sales guys so that we, we taught the first one and now you can go implement. And, and now I've gotten out of the way. I realize I will be the bottleneck of abundance. Right. If I'm still trying to do all of the things, I'm like, I'm going to go find something that's better at sales than me. And you're going to run the sales bar. I'm going to find a better media, media buyer than me. And you're going to run that. I'm going to go find a better event coordinator and you're going to run that so that I can stay in my zone of genius, being on the podcast, meeting with amazing people like you, building relationships. Right. And when we did that, it's like, yeah, there's a bit of time where there's some slippage, but you're taking, you know, one step back and take five steps forward. Yeah. And you got to understand that. And, and yeah, we've been doing that very integration, which now works really well because we have the platform of abundance. To plug in another industry expert, it's very simple for us now. Right. The email copy guys out there doing, the setters know they're doing, sales know they're doing, funding company knows what they're doing, merchant processors know. And then we can just plug it into the system. Right. And that was a, a hard, expensive lesson that that we had to learn over over the years. But you know, for entrepreneurs that are listening and that have a business that's working, like really be smart about that next step. And like you said, because yeah, I tried to go, oh, I'm going to go start a med spa with some partners and that failed. And like, right. but I know the marketing, but I don't know the med spa world. But then I was trying to be like a med spa guy and it didn't work. Right. You know, we ended up losing friendships over that. Right. So it's, you know, beginner entrepreneurs get that first cash cow dialed in and systematize it. And that's what we've done with abundance. It's like once you systematize uh, your uh, agency GPT for local business owners, you can create a system around that and get an operator in there. Right. Then you can go create the Airbnb business and get an operator in there. So we're teaching multiple streams of income, but it's all integrated because you're using like platform arbitrage right? and do that. But this is the way to do it. And that's why people are finding success and abundance is taking these higher level experiences, plugging people into, listen, stay focused. We've, we've made all the extensive mistakes, right? You know, we spent the 40 million on ads and did it a million ways incorrectly, right? This is the easiest way and the least path friction to get where you want to go. So now I'm seeing that you're starting to do that with inside of your business. Now that you've built up this hundred million dollar portfolio with RV dealerships, like what is the next step? How are you continuing to grow from here and taking what you've learned along your way? And what are you really excited about? I'm support. being like there, there's a, a lot of, that I've learned so much in, in what we just talked about it, almost over leveraging of, Hey, like even the, so my space, the dealership space, well, an RV dealership is an RV dealership to some people, but the markets are so much different. Um, I learned very quickly that so we bought two locations out of Missouri. Missouri is a completely different animal, different people, different market, different everything. Mm -hmm. I'm getting my teeth kicked in there. And so we've actually decided to sell off those stores because that's outside of our realm. And so like we're, we're seeing that just in our own industry. And so this, I think that's a really good lesson for people to learn. Is that sometimes like more is not always better mm -hmm. and scale, you know, how you scale and do these things, like make sure like, I wish I would have went back a long time ago and had, had more of a plan that's like this, this is our buy box. This is our acquisition. This is what we're really, really, but I was just so much in growth mode and honestly, man, it was a stupid deal by those out there. And so, you know, we're able to exit those markets, a good situation for them, good situation for us. 
Um, but now it's like really focusing on more of our, like I talked before, as our hedgehog concept of what we really want to do and why I even started the company, why, you know, the, the freedom that I wanted. And now it's like, now instead of living on an airplane, you know, now I get to just focus on things that I want to really focus on and, and helping that and helping the dealership scale within themselves. You know, we, we, I definitely overlooked ability of some of those locations that the ability that they had to grow within themselves. You know, I was just chasing more stores because I thought that's how you chase the revenue. And it's like, I had a guy that was like, Hey, like, you know, you could actually do that with just a couple of stores. You know, you, you actually scale within the, within the stores. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Yeah. Like then, then you're also over leveraged and people and all these things like, and so I'm really excited about that to be able to focus on, on what I want to do and grow our current, you know, markets and grow, you know, get out of that, some markets that we shouldn't be in and really focus on what we're really, really good at, where 80% of the revenue comes from, where, you know, where we're making strides, where our best leadership is, where our best manager, where our, our corporate, all of these things were the best and make them the greatest. And that's where you want to go from we're, we're good, but I want to go to great and how we brand them and name it. Like there's just so many things that we wanted to do that got lost in the noise of the acquisition. I mean, buying five stores in a year is a long process. Usually it takes about 90 days to buy a store because of all the licensing and everything that goes on. So if you think about it, it'll be about five. I mean, that's a lot. That's, that's more than a year. Right? Worth, yeah, you did 15, of, yeah, 15 months worth of work. Yeah. In a very short amount of time. Exactly. And some of them were like 30 day closes. And, wow. you know, and one of them, I accidentally missed the closing day and no one was there to, to do it. <laughs> Big little miscommunication in that, yeah. uh, which is kind of a funny story. But um, there's so much that I've learned. And, and now I have like a burning desire to just get better at what we're doing. And like changing the face of our current stores. I'm very excited about that. And you know, I also have a lot of stuff going on outside of the dealerships that I'm super excited about. So talking to businesses and entrepreneurs that let's say they do have like more of a brick and mortar business like yourself and they have one market, like what advice would you give to them about developing their markets and growing on that instead of being spread too thin. Cause like when you got people out in Missouri, it's like, that's a long flight for you to get out there and be in person. Yeah. Right. There's so much opportunity in Salt Lake. So what yeah. advice would you give to a business owner that's in that situation? Um, study your market more, do more market research, get, get experts in there that know, you know, know the data, know, and figure out what other people are doing. What other, you know, if you, if you're in like, just use med spots, so use that as an example. What other, you know, other med spots that they have multi-location, where are they geographically located or why? And figure out more customer data of how long are your customers driving to you? Is it all of our customers are 10 minutes away? Okay, well, we can build this brand. Maybe we can be 20 minutes away and then at 10 minutes each way. And then you can be strategic more in that, in that sense, instead of being, we do, so I have a partner in real estate. We do a lot of real estate consulting. It's like, we do all the market analysis and research of, you know, the, the income, the who drives by, what, all everything that has the market research on the individual around that spot. And if it's best going to serve you, because some of the demographics, yeah, it might be a really cool mall, but it has nothing to do with your demographic. And so really studying that and figuring out like, you know, in, in a, I think in marketing, we call it an avatar, but really who are you trying to sell to? You build this avatar and then you market to that avatar across the country or wherever you're trying to do it. And so I would give a lot more thought in what that actually means as well. You know, if you, by getting another location, would that mean more money or can we grow our current spot? And are we bursting at the seams? Would it mean moving and then being a bigger, you know, footprint, still one location, but you get that much more revenue. And I, I would really study and look about, and, and you're also your leadership. Can your leadership take on another short? Can they take on more employees? Can you, can you do that and can you handle it? 
And I, you know, it's, it's, it's a slower game. I mean, I wish I wouldn't have done it so fast. Um, it's a, it's a slower game to be able to create that foundation and then have that foundation, have the processes, have that bulletproof concept, have that bulletproof marketing plan. Like, like n- don't question if you're over here like, ah, oh, well, our marketing is kind of okay, but we're going to keep growing. Keep marketing perfect. If you're like, Hey, our marketing is perfect. Everything is perfect. And so, yeah, then maybe we create this perfect model and we create it like the McDonald's system. Yeah. McDonald's took a long time to create that system and they exploded. Um, you know, I, and that's kind of my mindset now. And that's why I'm very passionate about speaking to you right now, because that's, in the, that's what we're doing. And it, it sinks a lot of people. I mean, right now it's uncomfortable. Like we're going to be fine weather the storm, but it's very uncomfortable. I mean, I wish I would have done some things a little bit smarter. So now you're, you are helping some other people with leadership inside of their own organizations. You're speaking, you're, you're helping people learn the hard lessons yep. and avoid that team. Talk more on that and how you're adding value to other businesses and helping them with their leadership. So one thing that I think is forgotten is culture. And, you know, I have a podcast called Culture Camp and I teach a lot of culture and, and culture is not, you know, M&Ms in the break room or meals on Saturdays or whatever. Like, there's so much more to culture and I break it down to you know, building a team and scaling companies through people. Um, I know, I, mean, I truly believe that's, that's like I just talked about before, like what leadership do you have? And it's if you want to grow and want to scale, how are you going to do that through people? Because you will need people to do the work and get people to bought into your culture and in your mission statement, your values. And so I teach the importance of a mission statement, a value statement, a vision statement, and even um, having values of what you have. But more than that, I teach how to manage through those values. And like I have a culture card sitting right here in my wallet, but um, we're just at at one of our stores and I got car checked a couple of times. And we car check each other because we want to carry our values and our mission statement with us at all times. It's powerful. And when we have two or more people in a meeting or meet, meet up in any given moment, we pull out our cards, put them back. We, we memorize the mission statement and uh, the values when we talk about them. And then we give examples. What are some things like one of ours is, um, you know, working together. What, have, what are some examples we've seen of working together? And we start talking about the culture and put that we manage to the culture and let the culture be the system. And I heavily believe in a system-based business, not a superstar-based business. And so we create this, the system-based business where it's just working itself and we, but we manage the culture. We don't have write-ups, we have cultural realignment meetings. So it's like, you know, you do, you break one of the values and now we're going to have a meeting. I have a legitimate form that is called cultural realignment. We list the value. We have three things that you're going to work on the value. And then we will have a meeting, you know, in a week, one, if one of them is trust, we're like, Hey, you. Heard you lied to this customer, you broke the trust with the customer. How do you think you could gain the trust back with the customer? And then I have you work on that. It's like, okay, one of them is probably going to call the customer and apologize. Okay, let's do that right now. I'll help you through it. Then I'm going to apologize as well because you know, it's, I'm, you know, my last name is in the building. We're going to, we're going to help each other. And it's managing through that. Um, it's, it's, it, there's a lot into that, but that's like my, my passion of helping people manage their culture and let the culture do the work. Let the system become, let the culture become the system and the system do the work. And you empower people when you do that of, okay, you broke the trust value. How are you going to fix it? Right. It's not you coming down on them and like the old corporate ladder of you're always talking down to people. Right. It's how do you think you can improve the situation? Right. Now they're empowered and now their brain starts thinking in a different way of like, oh, this is how I'm going to avoid it in the future. I'm not going to come back to Jason and be like, I broke trust again, Jason. What do I do? Right. right. Yeah. And that's all what it's about. And it's like, I don't think people 
generally like wake up every day, but I can't wait to suck today. And I can't wait to do bad. And I can't wait. Like there's both people to dug a weeded out soon. You should, you should weed them out soon. You know, coach them up or coach them out is, is what we always say. So, um, but it's, it's giving them ownership and letting them realize it's, it's like we as entrepreneurs say, oh, you got to follow your way to success. But we have this expectation of perfection from our employees. Like it doesn't really make any sense to me that I hold myself in a different, you know, way than I would hold them. And so I'm like, Hey, like, did you make them sick? What'd you learn about it? Let's talk about it. What, what happened? Like, what, what can we, what can we do better? And it's, it's going back to the details of Napoleon Hill and the mastermind. Even if there's two people, it's trying to have the discussion to find the right answer, not to prove that I have the right answer, because if I'm trying to prove that I have the right answer. Now I've created a superstar based business because everything bounces off of me. Right. But I'm trying to give everybody ownership where they can create that system where I can be somewhere else and they're creating their own, they're, they're finding, they're identifying a solution or identifying the problem and creating their own solution and executing those, those solutions, what they believe. And it's been, it's been amazing for us as a, as a company to be able to do that. And I have done a lot of consulting and coaching, you know, other executives. And then I break it down to personalities and management styles. You know, and I, I teach this. Um, I've been studying for the last 15 years. I know this like the back of my hand, but the biggest thing with me um, that I feel like right now, you know, as far as I know, and people can check me, please, because I, I, I want to know, um, I'm the only one that, that uses this, but applies it at application of building a team and what that team looks like. It's almost like the money ball approach, like that movie, these data driven, you know, analysis to be able to build that back, the baseball team back. Well, I do that with my softwares through teams. And if you need to accomplish a task, what personality and management style are you looking for in those tasks? I have a test that you can do values alignment or values tests and an alignment test to make sure that the, who you're hiring shares the same values and is in alignment with what you want to do. And so it weeds out those people where like, hey, like this is this person isn't even the same person I interviewed. Well, did you figure out what their values were? Well, they said they aligned with mine. Well, did you just say, hey, what do you think do you, one of our values is family? Do you like it? Yeah. And they said, yes. Okay. Well, that's, that's cheating on a test. You got to ask them, not tell them your values and just ask them what their values are through testing. And then they'll just tell you, and then the software will tell you if it aligns with you or not. And so that's what I'm trying to create, you know, and help other people so we can be the best because, and then I like plot map the, the team, right? And I fully believe there's two personalities, every individual in, in favorable situations and in unfavorable situations. And so it's almost like your reactionary personality. And then I plot map the team of in favorable situations, you're generally going to act like this. And in unfavorable situations, you're going to generally act like that. And then we know we identify it. And some of that is even in favorable situations, we might not pay attention to the details because that's not our personalities. And so we got to check ourselves details, right? And then in unfavorable situations, you might become more of a dominant, you know, personality and just want to mow everybody over. And then it's the checkpoints of like in your team meetings, Hey, is this favorable or unfavorable? We identify the problem. We're saying, Hey, we're going to generally react like this. What's the outcome we want? You want, you know, this, let's just work towards that. And then it's, it's the round table discussions. I, the beginning of my podcast, I always say business is not a pyramid. It's a round table. It's, it's trying to come together to find the right answers. And at the end of the day, like, yeah, like my last name's on the building, but I won't buy in from everybody. And if I like really want something, I'm going to go to there and say, Hey, I really want everybody to buy into this. And we're going to take ownership of that. Sorry, that was a lot, but I, uh, I'm super passionate about it because I know what it's been able to do for, for our company. And I've, you know, consulted with dozens of companies and I can see what it's doing for them just to be more effective with people and get the most out of people. And so many people focus on 
the revenue, but if you don't have the principles and the values and the leadership and the team built, you're never going to get there. It's going to be exhausting. You're like, you're putting out fires everywhere. You're a firefighter in your company, right? right? You know? And so I want everybody, if you got to stop and rewind this podcast to get that whole download, you just drop for us, do that because I, I know I'm going to re-listen to this thing and be taking notes. And I, and I am right now. It's like, wow, we got to implement X, Y, Z as you're talking, <laughs> yeah. but yeah, because you, that's how you, because people talk about, well, how do I breed leaders? And I think you really just broke that down because when you allow people to, first of all, create a safe space, how are we going to work on this together? We're all working, you know, in the same direction. This is a round table. It really allows for people to naturally want to step into that place instead of like they're forced into that place. Right. You know, I think the way that um, even big corporations are operating now, everyone's starting to change. You have to in order to grow. Right. Right. People just want to work with people. They don't want to work with a boss. They don't want to work with, you know, uh, uh, a driver. You know what I mean? Right. And uh, I think that's really cool with what you've done. Did you implement that kind of right out of the gate with your RV uh, business or was that something that came in later? It's something that I started right at the beginning, but it's it's morphed over time because I've really wanted to be intentional with it. Yeah. And it's finding like, you know, I view it as, hey, we're going down the freeway. There's a spaghetti bowl. It's a little bit messy. People are going different ways. How can we get to the other side and everybody's at least going in the same direction in alignment, not going at the same speed? Because there are those people who just want to support. So you put them in the best supporting role where they feel fulfilled and they're excited to come to work and they're excited to conquer, where they're not in an uncomfortable situation. And then you have the people that want to be, you know, that dom, like the driver or whatever. You, you play the team, right? It's like, yeah. you know, if me and you were to go say, hey, let's build a basketball team, let's go, you know, have a basketball, we wouldn't go try to find five point guards and be like, we only want, you know, five point guards and five centers. Doesn't make any sense. We would go build a team with different positions to be able to create the success that we want. We need the shot blockers. We need the point guards. We need the smart, intelligent, um, you know, people that are, you know, that know the game. We need the shooters. We need the the bench players that come off with super big. Like we we will put together the team very methodically. Why don't we let that in our business? Why don't we? Or why are we intentional with that? And some people. Like, oh, we are. Well, then I start talking to them, but you're not. Like, you don't even know their management style. How do they like to manage people and how do they like to be managed? How do you rate it? L1 through L5. L1 super focused managed. L5, hey, you're the biggest cheerleader in the world. How are you doing today? Good. All right. See you later. Don't micromanage the people that are L5s that they hate to be micromanaged. Drives nuts. They just let them do their thing. When you look like the greatest sport teams of all times, it was because they had the best coach. Right. It wasn't just one player. And anytime one player is getting too much Limelight's like the coach would readjust that because like we can't be a superstar team. We have to be a systems team. Right. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, we see point. in the, I mean, not, I mean, Lakers are doing okay right now, but historically these teams that create these super talented team, they don't have the right supporting staff to be able to have the success. They have too many people trying to be the all end all be all. And that's why, you know, you saw the Lakers get rid of my man Westbrook. Um, you know, it is what it is. Why, they're a better team. They, 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 they saw, they identified it and said, Hey, we have two, we have, this isn't working. Our system's broken. Like they started out like two and 10 or something like that. They, they started out terrible. They made all the adjustments at the trade deadline and look at them now. They, they, or they lost, you know, in the, in their Western conference finals, but they're, you know, the first game, but they're, they're there and they've completely changed the culture of that team because they, they've had, they've intentionally done that. Right. And I feel like in our companies, we need to be more intentional with that and to, to coach them up, coach them out, get rid of the cancerous people. It's like, we would never roll up to the hospital and be like, hey, I'm just looking for a little bit of cancer. Like, what are you talking about? I just want to inject one cancer cell into my body. Why would you want to do that? Well, I just think it'd be fun. You know, that's all I, you know, I just, doesn't really matter. I feel like I'm healthy. Well, cancer. Why do we let that in our teams? Why do we let that cancer spread? It just takes one cancer cell to ruin an entire company. 
And I, and that's what I talk about culture is it's not everybody gets a trophy and we like we and everybody's having a good time and we always keep people too long. No, there's a standard that we have. It's a, it's an excellent standard. That is the culture, the winning culture. And if you either coach them up or coach them out and you get them on the bus and it's not, you just get bodies on the bus. It's in the right bus in the right seats to, you know, the right things saying like with the right backpack, everything is perfect. And then you can just scale and explode, but it's, it's, it's the biggest hurdle. Like I always talk to people like, oh, what's your biggest obstacle? I hate having employees and I hate this and I hate that. Well, why would you just let that be an excuse? Why can't you be more methodical and intentional creating a super team, a dream team where it just crushes for you? Why not? Like why, we, why have that excuse? Yeah, it's out there. And, and that's what I want people taking away from this podcast is if you're fighting bottlenecks in your life or your business, find the right coaches, find the right people to bring in because it's going to help you in the long run. Yeah, you got to invest a bit more time into that. You might have this later on a, you know, during, during the night or through the weekends to get that figured out. But like, if you fix that pain now, it'll be short-term pain, long-term gain. Right, right. It's created a foundation. It's how you build. I mean, we build a house, right? You, you dig the hole, you put the footing, you put the foundation, you start building the house. Sometimes we go straight to the, you know, the to the lumber, you know, the, the framing and it's okay. It's okay to take that framing back down and start from, you know, lay that good foundation and rise back up. Because what happens a lot is the companies will scale and grow and also exponential growth. And then it scales out of control. I've seen multiple companies scale super quick, explode. And then see ya. I don't want to be that guy. I'd rather have that slow methodical, educated growth, that is going to be that foundational growth. that's going to be there forever. Then just, yeah, we're from zero to hundred million in one year. Hey, where's Jason? I don't really know. I think he's gone. Well, why? You know what? I don't want that. And it, I guess it's, and I guess if you do, that's one thing. I don't feel like anybody wants to ever go broke, but it's being intentional on how you want to scale. And that's what I was talking before is how you want to grow and how you want to scale to create that strong foundation where markets this or markets that it doesn't matter because your roots are so down deep and your people are so on board and they're so aligned that it does not matter what the market does that's what i'm talking about. yeah you get you get diehards you get people going to war for you every single day live by the sword die by the sword right but you got to do that when you know that you know you're aligned as a family and as a tribe right for sure 100 percent, man it's, that's what it takes and like i see in in africa in problems, and what other people see as problems, they see the opportunity to become great. And a lot of that is within people. And like I said earlier, people don't come to work and want to suck. So it's how can I make them be better? How can I, do I know what their dream is? Do I know what their goal is? Do I know why they're even here? Why are you? It's taking the time of being intentional with them. And that can, I believe, will help you scale and grow. Man, if you guys haven't noticed this podcast, you've completely missed the boat. Go back and listen to this. There's a lot of great insight that, that you brought to the table for first time entrepreneurs and also for people that are looking to grow and scale, build that team, build the foundation. Culture is king. I've, you see that with those companies that just scale beyond like the wildest belief. It's they have a strong culture. They have strong leadership. So double down on that. Like that's so important. Reinvest back in your people. The greatest investment you can make in the beginning is investment in yourself. Right. And then the next component to that is investing in your people. And that's where where people, you know, tend to get in trouble. And because those people are going to stick with you till the end. For sure. Couldn't agree more. I think that biggest asset you have is your team and your people. And, but it's the right people. It's the right team. It's in the right positions. It's not just a bunch of bodies just sitting there having a good time. And, you know, with, without that, you know, what, what do you have? I mean, I think that 
it's definitely overlooked because it's it's a problem. Like people perceive it as a problem. It just sees that opportunity to become great. And if you're just starting out and you're starting out how you grow and scale, you know, with your you know, with one person or two people or three people, start that foundation now. Because if we get you know, I'm not I don't think there's any company that can ever you know, not change a culture, but it's definitely more difficult when you're steering a continent versus when you're a little bit nimble and you can make it happen now. But I believe it's setting the foundation is gonna make you great. Absolutely. Well, Jason, thank you so much for being your man. I'm proud of you. You're doing big things, changing lives, having impact, and really being open and vulnerable to sharing your experiences with the world because we're all here to make the world a better place. You're, you're living it, you're breathing it, and I appreciate you, Mass. Thank you for being here. That means a lot, man. I'm, I'm very grateful to be on the show. Thanks for the, the, the friendship, and I'm just excited to, to, to get out there and keep conquering the world and keep doing my thing. And, uh, but just, and again, an honor to be on the show. And how can people find you, support you? So, um, biggest thing I'm on Instagram, I'm just Jason Haugen, it's H-A-U-G-E-N. And my podcast is called Culture Camp. And I bring in a lot of entrepreneurs and we just talk about culture and talk about team building and things like that. It's, it's very insightful. And, um, just hit me up there. You know, I do have a website called imjasonhaugen.com. It's where I used to do a lot of me speaking and get a hold of me for, for any consulting or coaching, but really Instagram and, and my podcast is where I'm at. All right, bro. Thanks for being here. Thank you. Appreciate it.